Welcome to the Keys of the Kingdom with Brother Gregory of His Holy Church. Well, welcome to Keys of the Kingdom. I'm Brother Gregory, and again, we're going to be talking about the Kingdom of God. And I actually advertised this show a little bit uh, around on the network uh, so that uh, people would know what we're doing and what we're up to. And then we'll get right into the topic, which is propaganda. And if uh, I didn't get you riled up with this morning's show on what's unclean and not unclean, <laughs> and one line I, I probably should have said during the uh show on what's clean and unclean is I should I should actually get a t-shirt made up that says make America clean again because everything that we're doing today both in religion and in politics and in social welfare are all making America unclean and most religions are caught up in in false religion landline calls uh, I usually have to unplug the phone in here so that I don't interrupt the show with landline calls because we have a couple of telephone numbers that come in here. Actually, there's three numbers that come into the office. So I just unplug them all. But uh, we've been completely out of phone service for days and days now. So if you're trying to call us, give it up because we can't get the phone company to hook anybody up in this valley. Uh, all stores can't. They can't use their phone. We're just disconnected and we can't get anybody but somebody in India <laughs> to talk to uh, who cannot figure out what's going on. And uh, th- we're going to see a lot more of that in the future, a lot more breaking down of things. But anyway, that number one more time and we'll give it again after the first hour so that people can call. And I see a lot of numbers showing up in the queue already, but the number is 317 6208. Well, we're going to say some stuff about modern Christianity that he may or may not like. Uh, but we have done our homework. So if somebody doesn't like what we say, they're going to have to uh, find out why we say it. And not just assume that we're wrong because we're saying something different than what they normally like to believe is true. When Christ came along, he started saying all kinds of things that the Orthodox churches of that day, the, 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 we can call them churches, the synagogues, they were churches. Uh, the temple was a part of a church system. Uh, it had a Corbin that was making the word of God to none effect, yet we know that Moses taught a Corbin that made the word of God to effect. But over a period of hundreds of years, sophists came in and be- began to retranslate the Bible. Uh, they did it in the Greek Septuagint and they, they had their own, uh, Hebrew versions. But then, You know, one of the times when they came out of captivity, they didn't even know the Hebrew language and they had to relearn the Hebrew language in order to figure out how to build the temple again. And there was a dispute, and we've talked about it many times, where it says the old men wept when they decide to build the temple a certain way, where they're actually going to construct a building. 
because the temple was never intended to be a building. The altars were never intended to be piles of dead stone. They were to be unhewn, that means unregulated. And of course, the altars of clay and stone were actually systems of self-governments. Uh, system, systems of self-governance uh, where they were the government of the people for the people and by the people according to the guy who wrote the introduction to the Wycliffe Bible that the Bible was about how to do that and we've been going through the Jordan Peterson Daily Wires uh, symposiums of the Jordan Peterson I finally got all the way through it I went back to Number one and number two, we're going to upgrade my notes on it so that we can start doing videos and doing shows on it. But I was finding it so rich in material that I, I, I think that we could actually do three or four hours on every show they did. <laughs> but we would, because we're going to keep going back to the same things that they're missing and many of the modern church people are missing. In the biblical text, it's repeated, like we were saying this in this morning show, about clean and unclean. Just going for the clean and unclean uh, quotes throughout the uh, biblical text, we were finding, you know, all the minor prophets, the major prophets, all talking about something that we were doing wrong that was unethical. And of course, Peter talks about this, Paul talks about this, James talks about this. You know, pure religion is how you take care of the needy of society, and you had to do it unspotted by the world. But if you don't know what the meaning of the word world is, in the Greek text, and you think it's one of the other three or four or five words that can be translated into world that we find in the Greek text, you may not get what he meant by being unspotted by the world. But, of course, when we show you, then people says, well, whoa, that's not what we're doing. Well, of course, that's not what you're doing, because you've been listening to propaganda as if it was the gospel. And the gospel is not propaganda. Propaganda is something else. And that's what we're going to talk about today. So you get an idea of propaganda. And there's going to be a lot more propaganda. And we're going to explore the idea, did Obama make propaganda legal in the United States? Now, I mean, specifically, propaganda has always been legal in the United States. But propaganda by the government was illegal. And there's a number of reasons why that is. So, anyway... But anyway, so let's get right into propaganda. We're going to look at propaganda in relationship to the world. And of course, like I said, the world, there are several words that are translated into the word world that uh, a lot of people don't understand that are in the original Greek text. But if you just translate all four of those words, or actually there's five all together, but in the King James we see four words translated into world. And then you see the word world in the biblical text that you're reading. You may not know exactly what the author was talking about. And of course, being unspotted by the world meant being unspotted, not affected, not touched by the constitutional order and system of government. And in other words, you were to take care of the widows and orphans of society 
unspotted by the constitutional order and system of government. If you were in Corinth, you would not go to the Corinthian uh, government, the constitutional order and system of government in Corinth, to get the care for your widows and orphans. Because then the care for the widows and orphans would be spotted by the constitutional order and system of government. If you were in, and Corinth had a constitution, Rome had a constitution, and Rome was the constitutional order. Rome, the Roman world, many, many of the different city states that we see talked about in the Bible were a part of the Roman world, a part of the Roman constitutional order and system of government. They had local governments, much like we see state governments today. You know, you can have a constitution in Oregon and a constitution in Ohio and a constitution in California. And all these constitutions are a little bit different. But anyway, I'm going to talk about propaganda so that we get an idea of how propaganda actually functions. And one of the great tools of the propagandists of the world is words. And of course... You know, I mean, who was the first propagandist? And, of course, I'll go over some of that. But let's just look at some basic definition. Propaganda is a message that is aimed at a specific audience that will try to change their thinking to that of the person releasing such propaganda. I will often, it will often contain disinformation to promote a certain viewpoint in politics. Well, except for the disinformation, <laughs> which is a matter of opinion, we've seen so much on disinformation. They were going to have a, uh, you know, a, a, some sort of group in the government that was the disinformation uh, uh, bureau <laughs> in the United States government. The, the the people that they picked for that made such egregious mistakes on TikTok or wherever they were posting stuff that it it never really got off the ground. But they would like to have one. And, of course, they can just piggyback, you know, this into other institutions, the State Department, etc. And they can enlist corporations to do that, which is what we saw with Twitter, where, you know, government agencies were enlisting the help of a private corporation to censor American speech. And, of course, they can't do that legally because that would be a violation of, you know, the Freedom of Speech Amendment because they would be, the government would be censoring private speech. Now, corporations can, you know, censor private speech that's perfectly okay. Businesses can do it. A church can even do it. You know, like if you're giving a sermon and somebody wants to get up and start spewing all kinds of things, you can say, you can't do that. And if they keep doing it, you can actually cast them out. <laughs> and of course, we have a situation where Paul was being followed by somebody who supposedly had a spirit that gave them the ability of prophecy. It's some sort of, you know, you can say it's demonic, but anyway, the the fact is, is he ended up casting that spirit out, and that person who had made their living with the channeling of that spirit suddenly was without a job. And the interesting thing is the spirit was saying that Paul was a man of God. 
<laughs> so, so, you know, uh, stranger things. Uh, and I believe that it's a fairly accurate rendition uh, in the translations of what actually was taking place. But anyway, John the Baptist could be called a propagandist because he was delivering a message aimed at a specific audience that will try to change their thinking. Repentance means changing your thinking, changing the way you think. And of course, the problem in Judea at that time, which was the remnant of Israel, was that people's thinking about things like Corbin had shifted. Uh, a great deal of the teachings of the Pharisees contradicted some of the teachings of the Sadducees, quite a few of the, of the Sadducees. And certainly the, the Zealots were opposed to much of what the, the, the Hellenistic trends that we see in the Pharisees' teachings. And so they were at odds. And of course, the Essenes were theoretically at odds with all those groups, except for the fact that the Essenes weren't warring against those groups because most of the Essenes were what you might call apolitical. They, they, many of the Essenes would not sign up for Herod's system of social welfare that we refer to as Corbin. You know, it's a system of sacrifice where the, the funds go into the temple and the temple takes care of the widows and orphans and needy of society including the elderly, if the elderly fall on hard times because they can't take care of themselves anymore. The Corbin, the funds that went into the Corbin, the sacrifices of the people that went into that system of Corbin set up by Herod was to take care of their needs. But unfortunately, this is one of the complaints that Jesus made about the Pharisees is that their Corbin was making the word of God to none effect so that sons of parents who were in need would say, go to the temple. Because I, I gave what I would have given to you to the temple. And the temple is now in charge of taking care of you. And this caused the young men to do no more ought for their parents. And, and, and this is what Jesus is laying out that the Corban of the Pharisees was making the word of God to none effect because it was set up in a particular way. And John the Baptist comes along and says, no, you have to think differently about how you take care of the needy of your society. You know, like if someone has no coat and they need help. I mean, it's a cold night in the month of uh, January, or maybe in the month, uh, you know, Adair or whatever, that uh, you have to, you're, you're, you're freezing. And they have no coat. And it says, if you have an extra coat, give them an extra coat. And then he says, do the same in meats. This is an idea that John the Baptist is saying, take care of the needy of your society through charity, through personal sacrifice through a personal Corbin. And of course, the Essenes were already doing that. Many of the Essene communities, the what you would call polises in the Greek, uh, they were like, you know, they were groups. So they all knew who each other were. They didn't always live 
in the same town. They didn't live in the same city, but they were still a polis, which sometimes can be translated into city. But they took care of one another in their group, like the Nazarene Essenes. They took care of one another in their group, and they did it through charity. They would not go and sign up for the system that Herod had set up. Because, now, what is the difference? And we go through this in our page on baptism. You can look that up and read that in your spare time. That the, if you got the baptism of of uh, Herod, because he was baptized. I mean, baptism was a Jewish practice. It had been a Jewish practice at least in Sinai. So, if if you were taking care of the needy of your society and you had the baptism of Herod you would simply go to the temple or, you know, you would go to your the, the the minister of your synagogue, the rabbi of your synagogue. Rabbi doesn't really mean like a minister of a synagogue, but every synagogue would have somebody who would be representative of the minister of that synagogue and every synagogue was basically ten families. And so if you had fifty families, you would probably end up with fifty synagogues. And they would all be connected because the ministers of those synagogues would connect with one another until they had about ten of those ministers. And then they would pick a minister. And so this is a way in which they could connect people in, you know, in a large village where you might have a hundred or two hundred families. Or in one of the places like Jerusalem where you could have, you know, thousands of families. Or over the entire country. That they were all connected through this network of ministers. This was the tens, hundreds, and thousands that Israel had always connected themselves in. And many other nations, very common in many other nations... Uh, all over the Roman Empire and beyond. Because, of course, beyond the Roman Empire, you had the Gauls, or you used to have it until Julius Caesar just about wiped them all out. <laughs> but they were organized in the tens, hundreds, and thousands. And, of course, he enlisted the help of the Teutons back there. Later on, they would fight the Teutons. But at that time, Julius Caesar paid a mercenary army from the Teutons. And the Teutons had been organized in the tens, hundreds, and thousands. And it was very common amongst all these different nations. It was just common knowledge. Uh, but people don't know much about that these days. Or often, you know, if you talk to most people about it, they think like, what are you talking about? <laughs> but, and of course, England had the same system. The Brits, uh, you know, you had tithings and tithing men and all those. So those are the words that came down originally. Uh, it was the hundredshins. And uh, Aelderman, Aelderman would be, you know, the, the minister of the hundredsmen. You know, one Aelderman would minister to ten hundredsmen. And ten hundreds, uh, each hundredsman would minister to ten tithing men. And so this is how England was organized for years and years and years until about 1066. Now, with the coming of William the Conqueror, Hay began to organize people in a different fashion. It was more from the top down. But the custom of ten families gathering together and helping one another and 
gathering together in a network remained in England for hundreds of years because when William the Conqueror came, all of England did not take oaths of fealty. Only those who fought with Harold took the oaths of fealty. Now, over the next 100, 200 years, you would see more and more of the people falling to that. We've talked about that. In the 1200s, there was a resistance, and you ended up with the Magna Carta trying to limit the power of the king. Now, of course, you can have a king, you can have a president, you can have a prime minister, but if you're going to follow the teachings of the Bible, and you're going to believe that Jesus Christ and Moses were in agreement, which it seems like in the New Testament that that's pretty obvious, and once you understand the Old Testament, you, there is no doubt. But uh, the idea of of this, you know, this system where you take care of one another and to charity is not new to John the Baptist. But that's what John the Baptist was teaching. Well, if you were a Pharisee, you might consider John the Baptist, what he was teaching, disinformation. And therefore, you might refer to John the Baptist as a propagandist, if you had that word in those days. We'll talk about where propaganda, you know, the term originated, which is, it's actually, you can go back to Latin and find where the word propaganda came from. But, uh, anyway, so, but was it propaganda? Was John the Baptist sharing disinformation in order to change the thinking of the people. Well, according to Jesus, John the Baptist was right on. That this idea of taking care of one another through charity was very, very important. And uh, it was absolutely essential. And Christ actually forbid his followers to do it any other way. And, of course, that's what, when we start going over Exodus again, we're going to try to do videos on Exodus, but I'm going to do a number of shows. We've already done, we have a at least one recording up for almost every chapter of Exodus. John the Baptist was not really a propagandist, although, like I said, you could find religious leaders, well-respected religious leaders of the time, that thought what he was saying was propaganda, but he was so popular... They couldn't do anything about it. So, anyway, those definitions of propaganda is often used as a derogatory term describing information, especially of a biased or misleading nature used to promote or publicize a particular political cause or point of view. Now, a lot of people say that Jesus was not political. And, of course... That's misinformation. <laughs> because Jesus was extremely political. He was the king of Judea. Uh, he wasn't like Herod. But Herod isn't the only kind of politician that you have. I mean, Caesar was a politician. But Caesar had to be elected to office every year. Augustus Caesar was elected to office. Not, I shouldn't say every year. Uh, as the Principal Civitas, that was an annual election. So every year that Augustus Caesar was the Principas Civitas of Rome, he was elected to that office by an election of the Electoral College. And, but like, he wasn't the president every year because it was important that the president be actually present in Rome, a municipality. 
and he was often off with the army. When he was off with the army, he held the office, even when he was in Rome, he held the office, he held this all the time during his reign as Augustus Caesar. He was the imperator. And imperator, if you went to the Collins Latin Dictionary, imperator means commander in chief. So he was the commander in the chief of the military, which was at that time composed of the army and the navy. They didn't have any air force yet. So that's what imperator means. So if we take those words honestly, we will know that the president of the United States, Barack Obama, uh, Trump, when he was president, now Biden as as president, is the commander-in-chief. He is the emperor of the United States. Now, it's not an identical office, but the, the Romans, in their constitution, they divided the office of our presidency into three parts. They also had a judiciary, just like we have a judiciary. They also had systems of social welfare where they provided free bread for the people. And they had it for hundreds of years before the first Caesar. But by the time Caesar came about, especially Julius Caesar, who wasn't the emperor of all the military of Rome, he was the commander-in-chief of the soldiers under his command, but not all the military. Augustus Caesar was the first emperor of Rome, the first commander-in-chief of all the military. So, Following the chronology of this history is important because this lays the backdrop to what Jesus Christ was doing. And if we don't know what was going on, we may miss what he was actually doing because he came to set the captives free. Politically. Spiritually. Economically. He he came to return every man to his family and to his possession. The same as Moses. This is what Moses was doing when he was bringing the Israelites out of the bondage of Egypt. He was setting them free. Unfortunately, a lot of people don't explain exactly how he was doing this. But in, uh, you know, I know at least one Christian Bible dictionary that refers to redemption, the best example of redemption, which is, you know, the releasing of people from foreign control. Uh, at least one of the earliest, is Moses in Exodus. He literally redeemed the people. Now, God arranged it that he could redeem the people, and he obeyed God and followed the leading of God, and then he was able to redeem the people. And then he had to teach them how to be free souls under God. And that was a little bit more difficult. But... uh, that that's actually what Moses was doing and it's actually what Christ was doing. He was freeing the people who would follow the way. And we get a glimpse of the way when we listen to John the Baptist. He, he begins to open that way where you start taking care of the needy through charity. And of course, James will eventually call this pure religion and that pure religion is unspotted by what Paul would call idolatry. Because, see, if you want the benefits of rulers, you know, the free bread of Rome, what you want is, you want the Caesar, 
Rome, the Gabbai Molokai who worked for Herod, to take away from your neighbors so that you can get free bread. So that's covetousness by nature. If you want the benefits of Caesar, if you want the benefits of Herod, because that's the institution that Herod was creating, he, he was baptizing people all over the Roman Empire into the the religious system of the temple in Jerusalem. He wasn't satisfied just with the religious system in Jerusalem. He also created another religious system along the same lines, but different statues and some different vocabulary and maybe a different set of priests because some guys didn't like the idea of circumcision. So, and some of the other things that Herod was requiring in the one temple in order to get the support of the Pharisees. So he, he built another temple, the Temple of Roma. And you could sign up with that. But in any case, whether you signed up with the temple in Jerusalem with baptism or signed up uh, with the temple of Roma in uh, Judea, you had to pay in. You were expected to pay in a percentage of whatever you produced every year. Which is exactly what the bondage of Egypt was about at the beginning of the bondage of Egypt with Joseph. Is that all the people who were in Egypt and all the people who came to Egypt including the Israelites who came to Egypt during the famine they all went into what we call the bondage of Egypt where they had to give 20% of their labor to the government and and the government continued to fill they had built all kinds of granaries the pharaoh had built all kinds of granaries he didn't do this with taxing the people because that wasn't in, that system wasn't in place yet. He was just an extremely wealthy individual, extremely powerful individual. He probably did have some taxes, but he didn't tax the labor of all the people in Egypt. We know that from the text in Genesis that the people in Egypt went into this system. That system is called a corvée or corvée. It's a, a French word which means statutory bondage, where you know eighty percent of your labor is yours. You can do what you want with it, feed your kids, buy a car, buy a chariot, whatever you want to do with it. But 20% of it has to go to the government. That's the bondage of Egypt. Now, that bondage became more cruel, more severe, uh, more oppressive when a pharaoh rose up who did not know Joseph and assumedly did not know the God of Joseph and did not know the the truth of Joseph's system and, and how it was set up. Now, Joseph put a limit on it. couldn't be more than 20%, one-fifth, of the labor of the individuals. But they, through one translation calls it crafts of state, uh, through devious means, probably through some sophistry, began to shift a burden upon the people of Israel that they did not necessarily put on the people of Egypt. They they evidently didn't like the Israelites. They kind of feared the Israelites. They were very prosperous. And so somewhere along the line, I could imagine 
you know, because of the culture, because they were kind of set apart and the, and you know, picking the area of Goshen to put them in kind of separated them because, you know, it was part of the tributary and the delta system out there. If you find out where that place actually was, and and we've talked about that when the early parts of our series on Exodus, where exactly that was and what they're now excavating of those sites, and what was actually going on there, but. Because they were somewhat set apart by their culture, by their ideas, you know, and people could find prejudice against them and start treating them unfairly. Some people, maybe some people that rose up in government, like it says, did not know Joseph. And that tried the individuals. See, what weakened people, weakened Sodom, was the system of social welfare set up by Sodom in order to bring the people in and make them subjects to trap them, so to speak, in a net where they now had to serve the king of Sodom, which is why the king of Sodom wanted the people back more than the stuff. If I get the people back, I can make more stuff. If I just get the stuff back... Well, that's only going to last me so long. He knew the people were the value. So he wanted the people brought back to Sodom where they could now work in that city-state and support his rule. Uh, But he was unable in such a system to protect them. While Abraham was so strong, he was able overnight to defeat the people that were taking all the people of Sodom off as slaves. And so anyway, that's an important thing to understand, and we'll, we'll revisit that. But the system of social welfare either strengthens the people or weakens the people based on the nature, the elements of your system of social welfare. So anyway, back to propaganda. Propaganda could be that they say, well, no, this is okay. This this idea of the government forcing your neighbor to contribute to your welfare, to build up a treasury of the government to put funds in so that we can buy, you know, and provide the necessary food stamps or the grain, the free bread, and all these things for the people. They say that's a good idea. Jesus, of course, said it was a bad idea. It's certainly not what John the Baptist is promoting. It is the opposite of what Moses was promoting. Yet, modern church thinks it's absolutely okay. And most of the modern churches, although they often do have some system of charity in their midst, 80 to 90 to more percent of their congregation is dependent on the social welfare of men who exercise authority one over the other, which is forbidden by Christ. Forbidden by thou shalt not covet thy neighbor's goods. Uh, Forbidden by you should not return to the bondage of Egypt where the government can take away your labor and provide you with free grain in the time of famines or shortages, whether it's on an individual basis or on a collective basis. And of course, during the Depression uh, of back in the 30s, 29-30s, FDR said, we'll take care of the needy of society. We'll set up a system of social security to take care of the needy of society. Of course, it was the departure from the ways of the Bible 
that brought about that depression. But I'm not blaming the system on FDR. I'm just saying that he was instrumental in that. I'm not blaming the Federal Reserve on Woodrow Wilson. But we're, we're facing a total economic collapse based on choices that Woodrow Wilson made back when he was the president. Even Woodrow Wilson warned that they were out to destroy this nation through the system that he was set up. And of course, you know, our, our programs on Mendel House and our article on Mendel House and the guys who started the Federal Reserve, they were staunch communists. They thought communism was great. They were big ad, they were opposed to capitalism. Can you imagine that? I mean, in his personal writings, he says this. It's not, it's not a conspiracy theory. He's, his personal diaries are online. You can actually read them. So it's a real thing that, that the Federal Reserve was started to eventually bring all Americans into virtually a communist state. And wasn't to promote capitalism. And of course, the Federal Reserve is anti-capitalist. You can read our articles on capitalism. That they were pro-socialism and pro-communism in the case of Mendelhaus. So, they needed propaganda in order to get this idea sold. That the you know, Federal Reserve is the banker's bank and that... Uh, Paper that you can pay a debt with a note. I mean, it's it's been ruled over and over again, and the Supreme Court is still standing. You can't pay a debt with a note, so you can discharge a debt, but you can't pay it. Well, that's all part of leading up to the need for Social Security because they backed you in to this deal. But the real problem is not what the government did. Uh, I can lay that out, what the governments all over the world did. Like I said, Australia was ahead of us by several years in setting up the same system. But the problem is us. Is that we were not willing, and evidently many are still not willing, to look at this idea that welfare, whether it's public schools, uh, Social Security, Medicare, Medicaid, health care, student loans, all these things are a, a product of coveting your neighbor's goods. And it, it's also about borrowing money because the government has been bankrupt long before the institution of the Social Security. And again, the Supreme Court has ruled over and over again that Social Security has always been bankrupt. It is not solvent. It has never been solvent because there is no division of funds. And if the United States is in debt, Social Security is in debt. And we like to think, based on the propaganda of the news media, that there's some sort of trust fund and that the government is pilfering that trust fund and taking money out and putting IOUs in there. There is no IOUs in there. Yeah, they've been taking money out. But there is no IOUs in there because there is no separate fund. And, you know, on our page on Social Security, we we show you the actual law. You can go, we have the footnotes. We can go look it up. You, you have no entitlement to benefits. They call it an entitlement. But again, that's part of the propaganda to make you think you're entitled. To make you think that somehow or other Social Security is some sort of social insurance. When the guy who devised the plan states 
in his book, and we quote it, that it was sold as if it was insurance. But of course, the government is not an insurance company. So what was it? Well, it was this Corby system of statutory labor where now a portion of your labor can be taken away by the government to pay for what it needs. And right now, since it's borrowing all the money to provide you with benefits, all it needs is the interest payments on the loan, which is from the Federal Reserve. (laughs) And now you can call this all conspiracy theory, but this is how the law works, which is why I've written all these books, make them available to you for free online so you can read these books. I've taken them to some of the top lawyers in the United States recently and way back when I originally wrote them. And they said, I'm right. But they said, they're not going to like you. You know, who's not going to like me? Well, the guys who are running the system. (laughs) Uh, So anyway, there's someone by the name of Alfred and Elizabeth Lee, and they classified seven major categories of propaganda. And we we can take a look at some of those, and I can expound upon these and bring them into the context of the gospel. But uh, just basically name-calling is one of the propagandas that you you kind of throw mud at people and hope some of it sticks. And, of course, we've seen that with Trump. You know, and I'm not an advocate of Trump, but, I, I mean, I really uh, had a certain amount of compassion. They were throwing everything in the kitchen sink at Trump. You know, Russian hoax and all these kinds of things. And they, and the media just kept throwing it at him and throwing it at him. But the media was serving people who are trying to seize power in government. And many of them are already in government. And the, the government was encouraging them to do this. So this was, you know, a deluge road towards fascism. And, and of course, the immediate thing you want to do if you're a clever propagandist is accuse the other guys of being the fascists. <laughs> so, of course, that was another thing they threw at Trump is that he was a fascist or the Make America Great Again were fascists and all this kind of stuff, that he was racist. And, you know, I'm sure he has some r- racist twinges in him, but he has gone to bat long before he had any political aspirations for blacks with his own money and had no need to. He wasn't doing it so that everybody would like him. Uh, But, you know, you couldn't join, a black person couldn't join, you know, one of these prestigious clubs in in Florida until uh, Donald Trump took him to court so that they could join these, you know, any you know, any of these prestigious clubs, you know, wealthy black people and Jews as well. He came defending blacks and Jews. Everybody used to know that. It was just a fact. It was common knowledge and that he was always coming to the defense over and over again. But they had to dig up like somehow he's some kind of racist. And they threw it, you know, and I know people all over the world now. And, and some of them hear this in our media which was going out to them, which is going to be important in watching how the laws changed in this whole idea of propaganda. They were propaganda by the United States federal government to foreign countries has always been legal. It's not moral, of course, but we're not talking about morality. We're talking about legality. The United States federal government could not uh, you know, use the funds to propagandize 
the people of the United States. But, of course, they did. They have. And they were doing it back in the time of FDR. They were doing it back in the time of Woodrow Wilson. And, and they were always doing it. But there were some laws that came up, and we'll look at some of those laws, that made it actually illegal to do. But anytime you're, uh, you know, of course, every single politician is is pre- presenting propaganda that they they should be elected because they're this, that, and the other thing. But the government is not supposed to be publishing propaganda, and certainly not to the point of drowning out the private individual. They're not to be competing with the private individual. And, of course, when we go back when America was supposedly great, and like I said, we should get hats and and T-shirts that said, Make America Clean Again, (laughs) which means removing the system of social welfare that uh, is not based on charity. There should be no social welfare that is based on anything other than charity. For, at least for Christians and for Jews, and for those Muslims who believe that Moses was a prophet, they would have to say, yeah, and they supposedly believe in the Ten Commandments. I mean, that's what they say. So, Muslims, uh, we won't get into the Buddhists and the other religions, but uh, I, could, I could even argue with them. But based on what Christ said, based on what Moses said, based on the Ten Commandments, you're not to covet your neighbor's goods. And, and certainly not to men who exercise authority one over the other. Uh, and, and see what is really going on in the world today. But I can, I can show you thousands of Muslims, Jews, and uh, even the state of Israel, the guy who who was reelected after everybody thought he would never be a reelected because he went and rolled back during the time of economic crisis, which was probably like 2008. Uh, he rolled back the social welfare system of Israel and uh, removed a lot of government employees, fired a lot of government employees, and and uh, ended a lot of the the loopholes in the social welfare system because he said there were there were Arabs out there on the desert driving around in fancy cars with four or five different wives and all kinds of kids and they had no means of support other than the fact that all their kids were getting a government check. You know, all their wives and kids were getting government checks and then of course he's taking from that and he doesn't even have to work and he can drive around in the fancy cars. Now that is going on today in America. And we actually see congresswomen doing the same kind of stuff. She doesn't have a bunch of kids, but she's got more than one husband. And, uh, and of course the, but there are all kinds, and what they do is they, they'll marry you know, a man will marry a woman, get a legal divorce, and but in the legal settlement, they're still conjugating together uh, in conjugal relationships. She's still having children, and because she doesn't have a husband at home, supposedly, although he is there, she's collecting checks for all those kids that she has. So for every kid that she has, there's more money coming into the family. He does it with his second wife and the third wife. This is going on. Place like Michigan goes on all the time. 
places like New York City goes on all the time. And, and you know, we've shared the videos of people going in and wanting to get cash. So they'll, they'll go in and they'll buy all kinds of stuff with food stamps. Of course, they get a ton of food stamps. So they go in and buy all kinds of stuff with food stamps. And they will actually buy water bottles and pour the water out. And take the bottles back in to get the deposit. And they'll get take that in cash. <laughs> what a gross waste. And I know Muslims who do that. I know other people that live on the street that do that. And it's horrible. But of course, this is what you get when you create a social welfare system through the state. Which is one of the reasons why Christ forbid it. It weakens the people. It brings in corruption. And it eventually will bring in tyranny. So, anyway, back to going to the page. So, there were several of these categories of uh, name-calling, throw all kinds of names at them, glittering generalities, you know, save our democracy, make America great. Those can be all propaganda. And, of course, I'm not against making America great again, uh, but the reality is I know what made it great to begin with. And what made it great to begin with was not the president. It wasn't the commander-in-chief. It wasn't even the Constitution, because the Constitution is abiblical. It is not according to the biblical directives that you find in Deuteronomy 17, uh, because it doesn't... Now, I don't. I think the Constitution was a great effort, but uh, there are all kinds of problems with it, which is why I wrote the book, Contracts, Covenants, and Constitutions, so you can take a look at some of what the problems are. And the only reason I'm criticizing it is so that you will begin to realize where we need to go, which is to seek the kingdom of God and his righteousness. So, anyway, the third uh, item that they put here is transfer. Claim that because something as an integral part of a larger cause... Uh, must be accepted that you have to accept this lesser thing because the larger cause is great. And of course, that's, that's Social Security. Uh, that you have to accept Social Security because there's no other way to take care of the needy of society. And of course, we did it for a hundred years before that when America was rising to this greatness. But now we supposedly can't do it. In modern times, with all the technology that we have and the communication devices that we have and and the transportation devices that, that we had, now we can't take care of the needy anymore. You know, like my daughter just took in an elderly widow uh, whose own kids do no more ought for her. They, they are they are destroyed because of the public school system, the welfare system, the unemployment system. The the daughter's been on on some form of welfare. I think she's actually on SDI now for decades. I've never known her to have a actual job. She's just become weaker and weaker and weaker. Now her mother is sick and dying. She's actually doing real well at my daughter's house, although she's had some setbacks right away she was perking right up she's probably overdoing it needs to rest a little bit more she's an elderly elderly woman and we've known her for years and years and years but she doesn't understand the kingdom but then many of you out there don't either so the reality is is that we have to 
learn how to do that, take care of one another. And if we would actually sit down in the tens, hundreds, and thousands, like Christ commanded, he didn't just command that for those that one group, but all the early church was organized in that way, that we could actually start taking care of one another. So anyway, the transference is where, where you know, the we have to safeguard the people's democracy, so we have to take your freedoms away. You know, we have to, you know, the idea that, you know, we're all for free speech unless you say something bad about the Jews. The reality is, if free speech exists, you can say bad things about the Jews, you can say bad things about the blacks, and I'd rather have you have the freedom to say those things so I know who you are (laughs) and where you're coming from. But then if you also couple that with a system of social welfare where I don't have to send you any food stamps, if you're a Nazi, you know, how many, how many Nazis are on food stamps? I, I know of Nazis who are on food stamps. I don't know very many Nazis, but over the years you come across a few. I know bigots who are on food stamps. I certainly know that. I know, uh, bigots who are taking all kinds of government aid. And I wouldn't give them any government aid. But I'm not the government of the people for the people and by the people, but neither are you. You are the government that's, you are the people that are back in the bondage of Egypt and you have to pay Herod, Caesar, FDR, Obama, whether you like his policies or not, because you're back in the bondage of Egypt. So they can do all the transferring, but that, anyway, that idea of saying that this is important because it's connected to this, that's not always true. Testimonial endorsements. Oh, somebody endorsed this candidate or endorsed that candidate, and so now you have to vote for them. But you don't know who they are. You don't know what they really believe because they're doing all this other uh, propaganda about themselves. Uh, the plain folk, that's one of their categories. I'm just one of the people. And, and Augustus Caesar lived in a hut. He was one of the wealthiest men in the Roman Empire. But he lived in a hut. Uh, and the hut was very visible. It was up there on the hill. And you'd see him come out of the hut in the morning. Uh, I don't know how he got into the hut. I know he didn't stay there all the time. Because I know he was all kinds of other places. But he tried to give this appearance of being the common man. We see that all the time in poli- politicians. And we could go in deeper into the propaganda that is actually put out by the government. Card stacking. True facts are twisted and colored by the propagandists to suit their interest and impress the listener. The government didn't say that Social Security was an insurance program. They, They changed the words like social insurance. And uh They used other terms like that. But they got the media to say that there was a trust fund. And then, of course, that brings us to the last one is the bandwagon. You know, the wave, be a part of the movement. And, of course, we see this with this revival. They're talking about a religious revival where the people, oh, awesome God, and they go around singing these songs. But they're still idolaters because they are still absolutely dependent upon a system of legal charity to take care of the needy of their society, including their own parents. By borrow, you cannot get one single benefit from the government that isn't the result of borrowing against the future of your children. Because they're bankrupt. They're totally bankrupt. You raise the debt ceiling, you've just dug the pit deeper.
and there will be a day of reckoning. You cannot go on this way all the time. All kinds of signs are there, but nobody wants to pay attention to it. So anyway, let's get into the legality of propaganda so that we can see, because this same thing went on at the time of Constantine. The same thing went on at the time of Julius Caesar, Nerva, uh, Ti- uh, Tiberius. Same thing was going on the, at the, the, those times where they were propagandizing the people. They didn't have all the safeguards that we supposedly had, but the safeguards seemed to come and go. But I want you to see the sophistry. So propaganda is legal, like I said, wherever there is free speech, but it should not be allowed to be done by the government in a constitutional republic that guarantees free speech. It it could... Because literally the, the people are paying the government to lie to them. But see, the people should not depend upon the government to be their mountains of Samaria. Because the government's only going to give you information and knowledge. You're not supposed to be eating of the tree of knowledge. You're supposed to be eating of the tree of life. And you would be drawn closer to the tree of life if you had a Corbin of Christ. The Corbin of Christ, again, is the sacrifice that's based on free will offerings. But if you have the Corbin of Herod and the Pharisees, you have a system of legal charity where men who exercise authority one over the other take from some neighbor, somewhere, somebody else to provide you with free stuff. And, of course, that's a covetous practice. It will, if you have an appetite for such benefits... It will be a net and a snare. David says this. Paul says this. Uh, it will turn you into merchandise. Peter says this. But it will also darken your eyes. It will blind you. So you don't want that. But anyway, if you go to the legal codes, like Title 10 USC 2241A, prohibitions on the use of funds for publicity or propaganda purposes within the United States is controlled by that title. There's a few other titles, but that's one of the basic titles. And of course, if you're in public office, you can send out mailers to your constituents to inform them of what's going on. That looks a lot like campaigning, but they they have very strict rules about what you can do and what you can't do. That you have to be careful you don't actually use government funds for your campaign. And and guys get into trouble with that. Now, almost everybody running for office in Oregon, we have a whole article up there. Article 2, Section 22. Go read that. Your governments are all criminal. uh, Filled with criminals. Because everybody, 75 to 80 percent of the people holding public office in the state of Oregon were in violation of the Constitution. And the penalty of that particular violation was that they were no longer in office and they could face criminal, even felon charges, but your government didn't enforce the law. Instead, through sophistry, they got the law changed. Through propaganda, they told you the law was this, that, and the other thing, and it was going to do all these things and make Oregon great again, when it was actually allowing them to especially the higher offices like the governor at, at that time already had millions upon millions of dollars in their campaign fund 
given to them by, even when they weren't running, they got $250,000 from Soros. What's that? And to go into their campaign fund. And they're stepping down. They're not going to be, they're not running again. But their campaign fund is increasing by millions of dollars. Hundreds of thousands of dollars by single donors. They couldn't do that under Article 2, Section 22. That was against the law, against the Constitution of Oregon. But they were doing it, and so they needed to change that law. So they wrote a law that nobody could understand. We explained it. We explained it in there. You can, you can read through that whole thing and study it if you want. And there, we have audios up that explain it all. And it's actual criminal behavior promoted by the media and promoted by Republicans. The guys who wanted to take back Oregon and all this stuff. But when they found out their, their pet candidate was actually in violation of this same crime, they turned a blind eye. You turn a blind eye to the truth, you're not going to see the baseball bat when it hits you in the head. You're not going to see the train coming down the track because you turned a blind eye. You chose to not see the truth. You chose to deny the truth. And this is this is why America is falling. The individual is choosing not to see the truth. You can blame it on the government all you want. But the problem is the individual. Because right now, anytime you want, you could get together with all your buddies and create a communist government. And all take an oath of a vow of poverty and you enter into that communist government and all the money you make goes into that government. None of it goes to the pharaoh. None of it goes to the government. You can do that right now. It's absolutely legal that you could create your own communist government. Right now, in America, that's absolutely legal. And you don't have to pay income tax anymore. If you really do, you know, according to, according to the statutes and the laws and everything, you can create that and you won't have to pay that. You won't even have to pay sales tax in many cases. But you have to create that actual community of communists that are doing it. Any communist could do it. Any citizen of the United States could do that. Right now. But you can also seek the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Right now. You may still have to pay your tally of bricks, but you can, but there, there are exemptions that are happening now. The reality is, is that there's a lot of things that are in your favor for a long history that I could explain uh, on a longer show than this. And we actually have audios that explain a great deal of this. And we cover a lot of this in the Free Church Report, which is explaining how to organize a church according to the ways of Christ today in today's legal system. And that's there. And it's not likely to change real soon. But I can guarantee you will be persecuted. Eventually, if you follow the ways of Christ, you'll find yourself down on the shores of the Red Sea with all the armies of the new Great Reset <laughs> coming down on you with everything they got. But if you actually do it according to what Christ was saying, you also have the power of Christ standing between you and them. And even the ground will open up and swallow some of their army that comes against you. But you have to do the real thing. So anyway, back to anti-propaganda acts actually began in earnest around 1940 with the 
uh, Voris Anti-Propaganda Act, which is public law 76, 870, uh, took effect in January 14th, 1941. Uh, you know, and it is uh, part of the United States statutes requiring the registration of organizations subject to foreign control, like foreign corporations or what have you, while accomplishing activities in the United States. Foreigners do not have a constitutional protected right so the government may interfere with their natural free speech and, of course, their publications, etc. And in order to know when they could do that, you have to register as this foreign-controlled corporation. So that's what that act was about. But the Anti-Propaganda Act was preceded by the McCormick Act of 1938 and the Hatch Act of 1939. Now, the Hatch Act has again been put in, into the news. And uh, to understand what some of these things are, I, I put down there in the footnotes, uh, the McCormick Act, is this uh, Foreign Agents Registration Act is a United States law that imposes public disclosure obligations on persons representing uh, foreign interests, which, of course, that's uh, kind of what uh, Hunter Biden is in trouble for, uh, except for the FBI is not researching that. Uh, but also uh, the Hatch Act prohibits civil service employees in the ex- ex- executive branch of the federal government, except the president and the vice president, from engaging in some forms of political activities. Now, Bar- President Barack Obama signed the Hatch Act Modernization Act of 2012 on December 28, 2012. Except for there is no real act called the Hatch Act Modernization Act. It actually was a rider on the NDAA legislation. But uh, the Smith-Munt Modernization Act, Congress uh, Adam Smith and Congressman Mac Thornberry, uh, supposedly a Republican from Texas, one of those rhinos probably, co-sponsored the Smith-Munt Modernization Act, which was introduced in 2010, didn't pass, but it was made a part of a larger piece of legislation in 2012. And that's how they got what they're calling the Hatch Act Modernization Act. And so what is all this doing? (laughs) So all these things are going on. And I put all these pieces of the puzzle to show you how complicated it is. But again, I don't want you eating of the tree of knowledge. I want you eating of the tree of life. And the only way you're going to draw close enough to the tree of life to pick any of its ripe fruits is that you sit down in the tens, hundreds, and thousands and start a life of repentance, start taking care of one another through faith, hope, and charity. Now, we can find you all kinds of people that need help. I remember when we first started organizing a network in the Midwest. A lot of these people, you know, this happened with Christ too. It happened with the early church. Things had to get really bad before people would repent and actually come back. Because people think that somehow or other I'm talking about getting out of the system. I'm talking about getting the system out of you. So you start thinking. Repentance is, again, thinking a different way. So this, you know... They're doing all this other stuff, the Alienation, uh, Alien Registration Act of 1940, which was also known as the Smith Act, but it's, it's different than the other Smith Act that we were talking about. 
but that was back in the 76th United States Congress. And, you know, I give the public law and, and the uh, Title 18 USC that it changed uh, in subsection 2385. So that's all there. So you can look this all up. You, uh, Cornell University has a great synopsis of all these different acts. So you can go read them for yourself. But it was a very broadly written uh, act that forbade any attempts to advocate, abet, advise, or teach the violent destruction of the U.S. government. Of course, that's done every day in public schools. <laughs> but then they're not members of the executive branch of government. You see, uh, you, you have to understand, you've lost control. And you've lost control because you've neglected responsibility. People turn their eyes away from the truth of the corruption amongst their own party members. This is why the Republicans can't do anything about the corruption in the Democratic Party. It's because the Republican Party is corrupt. And you can't do anything about the corruption in the Republican Party because you're corrupt. Because you think it's okay to take care of the needy of your society, your own parents or grandparents, through men who exercise authority. And they're not giving your grandmother or your grandfather what is due them through Social Security because that's not there. That doesn't exist. There is no money and there is no trust fund. And again, go read an article on Social Security. All those funds are gone. The only way to get those funds is you hire men who exercise authority one over the other to go to your neighbor's house and force your neighbor to contribute. That's the only way you're going to get any money out of the out of Social Security because there is no money in Social Security because you're bankrupt. And you're you're not addressing the problem. The problem is that you abandon the righteous ways that were so prevalent in America in its early days. You know, that's why we put up that article. Go read an article on Davy Crockett at Preparing You. These are all at Preparing You. Go read that article at Davy Crockett, about Davy Crockett, where the average American thought it was immoral to ask the government to take care of the needy of society. It was not only immoral, but it was destructive to the morality of Americans. Everybody thinks it's okay now. But that's because you've accepted the propaganda that it's okay to covet your neighbor's goods through the agency of government. So then they go through all this, you know, like the U.S. Information and Educational Exchange Act of 1948, uh, uh, popularly referred to as the Smith-Munt Act. So that when I talk about the Smith-Munt Act, that's the same one. The other Smith Act... That's the Alien Registration Act of June 28, 1940. So these are like eight years apart. But these are being orchestrated. That, it, that, the Smith-Munt Act specifies that the term in which the U.S. government can engage in public diplomacy. So the phrase public diplomacy, what does that mean? Well, public diplomacy, Diplomacy is a euphemism for propaganda. But it's not propaganda to United States citizens. It's Educational Exchange Act. It's educating foreigners about America. 
So, you know, creating, you know, our uh, broadcasting uh, networks in Europe that broadcast into Russia and all these other things, that they could broadcast propaganda. They could broadcast stuff that wasn't quite true. They could do that. Now, they can't do it all the time or everybody will know it, but they they could do that. That was legal. We call that public diplomacy and that you can lie to other states. You can lie to Cuba. You could lie to the Soviet Union. You could you could lie to England. You, you don't want to do too much of that or they might get upset because they may detect your lies. <laughs> but we, we could lie to Vietnam. But we weren't supposed to lie about Vietnam. You can get into trouble, the Pentagon Papers, to the American people. So that's important that this this phrase, public diplomacy, can include propaganda to foreign governments and foreign people in other countries. Because that, that was about this educational exchange, this exchange outside of the United States. So, in 1948, the national executive leaders of the U.S. Communist Party were charged with violating the Smith Act. Because it also had to do with, you know, publishing uh, this stuff. You know, the Smith Act, again, that's the 1940 Act. You know, where you're encouraging, advocating, abetting, advising, teaching the overthrow of the United States government. And of course, Black Lives Matter does this all the time. Uh, they want to do this. Of course, the founders of the Federal Reserve were doing this in their personal publications, their personal diaries, which you know, they, they weren't necessarily advocating the violent overthrow. But I can tell you that that was the plan of Cloward and Piven. We have an article up. Cloward and Piven were regular guests to Barack Obama in the White House. They wanted to see the United States federal government overthrown and they wanted to see a communist government put in its place. So, did President Barack Obama legalize propaganda? Well, Cloward and Piven didn't hold executive office so they could do all the propaganda they wanted. They didn't need that. That's not what he was doing. So, what did the Hatch Act, Modernization Act, you know, uh, of 2012 actually do? That's what President Obama signed. Of course, it was actually the NDAA, which is the, the National Defense Authorization Act of 2013. Uh, that was, these are all writers within that. And so they talk about... And this is, and it makes it very difficult to look up because you're looking. So where's the? I have some links on on our page on propaganda, so you can go look at it because it was promoted by a lot of private organizations. Uh, U.S. Agency for Global Media uh, comes into play here. The amendment did make it possible. This is what the amendment actually did. You know, so Obama. You know, there's going around, you get fact checked if you say this on the internet. Obama legalized state funded propaganda. If you say that, you're going to get fact checked because he didn't legalize it. You know, he didn't have the power to legalize it. But this is the end run that is just so clever. And so, in order to lay all that out, you probably don't understand all that. Basically, 
Propaganda to American citizens by U.S. tax dollar is, is, is still illegal. But propaganda to foreign governments and foreign nations is legal. So you can spend U.S. tax dollars on lying to foreign countries. Of course, now from our moral standpoint, we should not bear false witness. But of course, you are bearing false witness because you have to pay for the false witness of their propaganda, <laughs> their public diplomacy to foreign nations. You're paying for it with your tax dollars. So you're in support of it financially, whether morally you want to support it. And I'm not saying don't pay your taxes. Uh, uh, we have already discussed why you owe the tax, why you owe the tally of bricks, because you're back in the bondage of Egypt. Moses didn't say, don't make any more bricks for the Pharaoh. He's just going to have to go whistle Dixie and he's not getting any more bricks. No, you still have to pay your taxes. Jesus didn't say, stop paying your taxes either. But if you continue a study, if you join the network, we'll share more and more information to show you where this is all going and how to prepare for when the unrighteous mammon fails. That's what's going to happen. So, what was the end run? The amendment did not make it, uh, did make it possible for some materials created by the U.S. agency for global media. Global media is the media going out to other countries. The nation's foreign broadcasting agencies to be disseminated in the U.S. Now, here's here's a critical word. So, when you're listening, you're reading these things by the Holy Spirit. I'm not that smart. But when you're reading these things in the Holy Spirit, certain words are going to jump out at you. You're just going to see like, oh, well, of course. They can't, they can't just go to a radio station or a TV station and say, we made these programs to be broadcast abroad. Will you broadcast them locally? Well, you broadcast them on your TV station, your radio station, uh, on the Internet. Well, you broadcast them there. They can't do that. That would be violation of the legal statute. They would be from the executive branch, you know, one of these, you know, institutions in the State Department or whatever, would be going and saying, yeah, we made this with taxpayer money. It's propaganda. But we want you to give it to the American people. They can't do that. But, <laughs> this is, this is the word. If the station, media, you know, Facebook requests a copy for, to put on their domestic media, that's freedom of speech. They can make copies available. And they already made it for foreigners with tax dollars. It's already made. It's now a copy. It's now a video. It's now whatever. Now you can disseminate it to American people as if it's not propaganda because the government's not disseminating. You went to the government and said, can we publish this thing you published in the Soviet Union? This is how you're getting all the information on the Ukraine war. That is propaganda. Yeah. You think our CIA doesn't know how many actual sh- uh, planes are shot down, how many actual uh, Ukrainians are killed? They, they know. <laughs> they know. 
But they're not going to publish that to the Soviet Union. They're going to say, oh, uh, this many uh, Soviet soldiers were killed and this many machines were destroyed and this was this. And Soviet Union is doing great, financially speaking. Yeah, they lost a lot of equipment, but it was mostly old equipment you see there. If you actually look at the photographs and you know anything about military equipment of the Soviet Union, where their good stuff is at, that's their junk it's all getting shot down and scrapped. Now, I'm not saying they're having an easy time of it, but they're making more money now than they did before the war. And you're you're making less, and your small businesses are suffering, and and Europe is going to starve. They know they're going to starve. They're going to freeze to death this winter. There will be Germans freezing to death this winter. Well, if the Germans would repent and actually become Christians and do what Christ said, what Moses said, if the German Jews would actually do what Moses said, they will get through the days ahead better because the plagues are coming. But they're they're giving you this propaganda. Propaganda, The fact checkers are right. He did not legalize propaganda to be made by the executive branch. I mean, like I said, propaganda has always been legal. He did not legalize state-funded propaganda to be produced and disseminated to American people. It was already legal to do it to foreign countries, which shows a breakdown in the morality of our government back then when they were doing it, when the CIA was toppling governments and playing all these evil, evil things. And now been sowing the whirlwind all over the world, and now they're going to reap the whirlwind. But what he said was that if local media requests it, you know, local United States media corporations request it, we can give them a copy. We can give them a copy. We can't produce it for them, but we can give them a copy. And so that's what's going on. And people don't get it. You know, private media and politicians can engage in propaganda. That's legal. Government enlisting Twitter, Facebook, Google, or any corporate media is a violation if you can prove that they actually enlisted and they were actually paying. Now you actually have to have courts and an FBI that is willing to pursue it and prosecute it. And you have to have a Congress that's moral enough to hold their feet to the fire. You don't have that. You don't have that because the people are not moral. Because the people have been coveting their neighbor's goods to the men who exercise authority one over the other, forbidden by Christ, forbidden by Moses, and they've been doing it for a hundred years in America. Actually, more than a hundred years, because we can go back to when, you know, most of the public schools were funded entirely by donations of the local inhabitants. That's how public schools were financed. It wasn't, you weren't taxing everybody on property tax. There was almost no property tax. It was creeping in, yes. And you'll hear all about it from people as if it was always here. But no, it wasn't. Hospitals, everything. We have to go back to building our own medical system. Our own medical facilities. And there, the, you will need the Holy Spirit to do it to stay out of trouble. You, you're going to have to create your own trucking systems, your own farms, and bring them into a network where you're bypassing the marketplace. 
And you will be persecuted in doing this. But if you do it according to what Christ said, this is what the early church was doing. The early church had land all over the Roman Empire. And they were growing crops on this land. And they had distribution people because they had a network. Went everywhere. I mean, you see Paul in the network. There's a dearth in the land and Paul is leaving with shiploads of supplies. He loses the shiploads of supplies, but he ends up getting more. He gets it from the, some of the least likely places. Gaul is, uh, or Galatia, excuse me. Galatia is supplying more charity than Corinth. Galatia is poor compared to Corinth. Paul is talking to the head of Corinth and saying to the head of Corinth's treasury, you need to do this through charity. Corinth is actually considering it. Uh, because there, and so there was this movement where people understood what the gospel was all about, which starts back with John the Baptist seeking a government of God, the kingdom of God, and the righteousness of God, which is to take care of one another through charity. If you're not doing that, you will not be free. You will not be ready for what is coming. So, uh, thou shalt not raise a false report, but not thine hand, put that, that hand with the wicked to be an unrighteous witness. Well, of course, your government was doing that for a hundred years now. And you weren't seeing it. And your churches weren't waking you up to the fact. They, they weren't sharing that fact with you. So this begs the question, where has all the morality gone in America? Spent a long time in passing, and it's been because you've accepted the idea that it's okay to eat the dainties of rulers, and you've developed an appetite for the dainties of rulers, despite the fact the Bible tells you over and over and over again. I read it this morning's program that you're not to do that, but you've done that. You've created the welfare state. So, I point out. Uh, well, of course, a hundred years of legal charity has done its part to sear the conscience of the people so that they do not recognize the covetous practices of the welfare state. They don't even see it as a covetous practice, even though we're told that it would, it would, uh, make you merchandise and it would Abuse your children. And that's what it's done. So when the abyss stares back at you from the welfare state into them, why are you surprised? So that, that idea of the abyss, you know, uh, Nietzsche, which is quoted commonly, evidently Jordan Peterson likes beyond good and evil. And Nietzsche said a lot of things. He didn't understand the gospel of the kingdom, but he did understand a lot of things. And he was actually kind of a religious guy in his heart. Uh, and he did not believe that God was dead. He believed that man had killed God, mostly using what was modern religion at that time, because this is back in the 1880s. But he said, battle not with monsters, lest ye become... A monster. And if you gaze into the abyss, 
the abyss gazes also into you. Now, it's a kind of a profound statement. It's in, in that book I mentioned, Beyond Good and Evil. But he says, if we couple these quotes with Matthew 5.39, But I say unto you that ye resist not evil, but whoever shall smite thee on thy right cheek, turn to him the other also. We may begin to understand how to overcome the propaganda of lies and the consequences of those lies. And, and of course, there's an article, Resist Not Evil. We aren't to war against the government. We are to be the government of the people, for the people, and by the people. And like I said, uh, when we first started this, there was a flood. We had one flood that took place in... Uh, in Australia, and most everybody recovered from that. Uh, they helped one another, which is all good. And we had uh, some floods down in Texas, and they all helped each other out. And nobody needed any help, so nobody contributed. Uh, which is fine, because it's your choice. But if you really are seeking the kingdom of God, you're not just thinking, well, I'll give if somebody needs help. No, that's not the way. The first fruits. Moses required the first fruits to be contributed to the system of social welfare. It wasn't burnt up. It was contributed. It jump-started this system of social welfare. It, it had, you know, blood and, and air flowing into the hands of the priests who were in charge of that social welfare system. See, your priests aren't in your churches. Those guys are just propagandists for the beast. Your actual church ministers are down at the Social Security office, the welfare office, and all these government, because that's your temple. That's where you get your aid. So, you have to repent of that. Turn around and go the other way. Matthew 5.43 You have heard that it hath been said, Thou shalt love thy neighbor and hate thine enemy. But I say unto you, Love your enemies. Bless them that curse you. Do good to them that hate you. Pray for them which despitefully use you and persecute you, that ye may be the children of your Father which is in heaven, for he maketh his Son to rise on the evil and on the good, and sendeth rain on the just and on the unjust. For if ye love them which love you, what reward have you? Do not even the politicians the same. Yeah, certainly the Democrats love the Democrats. And uh, and a lot of the Republicans won't call out the criminal actions of the Democrats because they're doing the same thing. And even the Republicans who are not full-fledged criminals, they don't, you know, they, they battle against it, but they're pulling their punches because it's still the Republican Party is controlling purse strings. But I tell you, if you go down to grassroots level, you start doing what Jesus is saying here and says in many other places what um, John the Baptist was saying. And if you salute your brethren only, what do you more than others? Do not even the publicans so? Be ye therefore perfect, even as your Father, which is in heaven, is perfect. So, you know, like I said, my daughter took in this elderly woman that we've known for years and years. We've been helping 
uh, an elderly woman, a widow lady in our local community. We actually have uh, their daughters have finally stepped up by our example, by the change in their own heart. I'm not sure why, but they're doing a great job now taking care of their mother and working together to do so. And, and of course, she's still collecting a Social Security check and everything, but eventually that's going to disappear. But I tell you, every time we get more and more people to take back their responsibility, the better off all of us are. And so loving, you know, if we were to start uh, like a facilities here to help people change their diet, change their thinking, you know, out here in the desert, you know, that's what uh, many of the Essenes were doing. People would go out to the Essene communities out in the desert and learn this other way. And then they would go back into uh, their local communities and spread that way. And that way became Christianity. And it was able to survive the destruction of Jerusalem and eventually the decline and fall of the Roman Empire. And so we could be doing that if people were contributing on a regular basis. But I don't want people sending to me all the time. I want people to sit down in the tens, hundreds, and thousands because that's what Christ commanded and start helping in your local congregation. So now uh, the last thing I will mention, and I'm only going to mention it briefly, is the origin of the word propaganda uh, can go back. And this is right out of basic dictionaries. It goes back to the garden, of course, uh, which is the serpent who said to the woman, ye, sh- ye shall not surely die in Genesis 3-4. More recently, so the first propagandist was the serpent. But more recently, originally the term propaganda came from a committee of cardinals of the Roman Catholic Church responsible for foreign missions founded in 1622 by Pope Gregory V. And I have a footnote there to show where I got that. But that's basically, and it had to do with a propaganda of the faith, to teach the faith of Catholicism. And I know there's a lot of people out there, I need to go look back at my chat room. <laughs> Catholicism is basically born out of the Church of Constantine. And it has, you know, some of the greatest people I have known as I was growing up were priests and bishops in the Catholic Church. And they they were the closest people I knew as I was growing up to the kingdom. Bishop Comer, Archbishop Comer, exceptional guy. Father Lenahan, exceptional guy. They've all passed away now. I've outlived them all. Of course, they they had a head start on me. But, uh, so I'm not picking on the Catholic Church. I'm not picking on Catholics. But the Catholic Church and the daughters of the Catholic Church with the Protestant churches, they've all accepted this idea. And, and we can go back to who was encouraging the, back in 1066, uh, with William the Conqueror encouraging this idea of taxing the people to fund the charitable institutions of society, which at that time were almost all 100% the church. Because the church still knew that their job was to practice pure religion. And much of the Catholic church, uh, I shouldn't say much, much of what was posing as a church in those days, especially in England, was doing that. 
early on, there was something accepted in the Catholic Church, in the Church of Constantine, that it was okay to take the gifts, gratuities, and benefits of Constantine and subsequent Caesars after that. Even though those funds were obtained by men who exercised authority. Now, they weren't always taxing people to provide a social welfare. But that idea was still alive, creeping into people's thinking. We have to let the pillar of fire, the furnace of Abraham, pass between us and the turtle dove. Now, a lot of people aren't going to catch that reference, but if you're listening regularly, go back to previous shows, look up turtle dove, you'll understand this this idea of receiving anything from men who exercise authority that would spot your religion is where we have to seek to go. In order to go there, it's going to take a lot of overtime. It's going to take a lot of sacrifice. It's going to take a lot of diligence. And and in the meantime, I don't want to see old people starving <laughs> on the street. But this is this is the mystery of the kingdom. That God gave every man the right to choose what to do with his life. What to do with what he produces with his life. What to do with each finger on his hand, each hand on his arms, each of his legs, his eyes, his voice. You have the right to choose to do that. And I won't dictate to you what that should be. I don't know what it should be. The Holy Spirit will dictate to you. But if you want to draw near the Holy Spirit, you have to jumpstart the kingdom. By sitting down in the tens, hundreds, and thousands and start sacrificing to your and, and keeping an eye on your minister to find out did you make a good choice and and, and see what he does with it see what he what fruit will bear from it, his efforts and your efforts with him because you're empowering him to do the work of Christ which is not to propagandize people with false doctrines. It's to actually practice pure religion. And so, I could see, you know, calling for workforces to come out here to build things. I could call, uh, see people calling for, uh, the means to set up, uh, you know, systems that will help take care of the needy. And we will hopefully rotate them through here and then put them back in their local communities to help out in their local communities. But the more you begin to do those acts of personal sacrifice, whatever it interprets into. Because I don't know. I can't tell you. Because it's not my plan. It's Christ's plan. You have to ask Christ what he wants you to do. And then I will continue to ask Christ what he wants me to do. And then in Christ we will come together. In eating of the tree of life we will come together. But we're going to need to become doers of the word. And that starts with sitting down in the tens, hundreds, and thousands. We, we've we got a lot of stuff to do. So anyway, we got to propaganda. 
uh, I put a number of links in there. I'll probably expand it a little bit as we go through. But you can see how they use, what was the other thing? Uh, oh, Article 2, Section 22. I probably should put a link to that. So you can see how they did that. Also, we had uh, a bill come up here to ban uh, guns, and they actually did for a little while. I, don't, I can't remember how that all turned out. They made it very difficult to to pass the background checks in Oregon because, but it was a badly written law, but it got passed. But it was all liars, and we did several programs on that. Where the, through sophistry, they make you think that we have a big problem with gun violence in Oregon. We don't. They have a big problem with gun violence in Chicago, but they have gun control in Chicago. <laughs> they also have a massive system of social welfare, which is destroying the black community. The reality is is that there is no real danger uh, of being shot in Oregon. Most of the people who get shot in Oregon is suicides. What's causing the suicides? Well, massive depression. What is what is the one cure for depression? We have articles up and show that. If you're plagued with depression, if you're plagued with bipolarism, these are the terms that people throw out there. Uh, we we can show you what the remedy is for that. One of the first things is you got to admit that you have a problem. Then we can talk about the source of that problem. Then we can talk about the solution to that problem. You have to actually physically care about others as much as you care about uh, yourself. This is the solution to that problem of bipolarism and all that stuff was just in that Matthew five quote. Matthew 5.34, etc., that I I was reading. That is the solution. But it will take a little bit of time because you have programmed your mind and programmed your body to go a certain way, to react in a certain way. You have dug the ruts in the highway of your life where you're falling back into addiction. You're falling back into anger. You're falling back into... These swings up and down. You need stability in your life. But in order to get it, you have to realize that you don't have it. That you can't create it on your own. Something greater than you has to create it in you. And your access to that thing that is greater than you will only come if you care about your neighbor as much as you care about yourself. And not just your nice neighbors, your mean neighbors. You know, I, I've had people, there are there are people, even in our local community, I've been in, I lived in San Francisco, lived in LA, and I've been in the middle of riots, etc., where everybody wanted to kill you. And you can totally disarm them if you if you've learned the way. But the modern church is not teaching the way. They're often teaching judgment and that you're saved because you go to our church and you say the magic words and, and, and the people are still blowing their top. They're, they're still coveting their neighbor's goods. They're, they're not seeing the freight train coming towards them. Oh, they think they can fix it. Moses one time took credit for the, the gift that God gave him. One time. He's not going in the promised land. One time. Most of the people today do that every day. They think that 
they know what they know because they're smart or because they're faithful or because they're born again or all these other things. They're not. We are lowly, fleshly <laughs> uh, uh, creatures walking around with some spark of life in us that comes from somewhere that we didn't create it. It was created in us. You know, the the yod, that divine spark, is in all of us. Some of us, it's pretty dim. But as long as it's there, it can glow again. Now, maybe that would be the good statement. Let's make America glow again. <laughs> let's Let's liven up the divine spark in each of us. And of course, we cannot even do that on our own. We have to submit to these basic ideas of caring about others as much as we care about ourselves. So anyway, I don't see any... Oh, I do see a hand come up. A hand came up from somebody. I will answer that. Okay, we have a live mic at uh, 5580. Uh, who am I talking to? Uh, this is Stephen. Can you hear me? Yes. Is this Stephen in Colorado? Yeah, this is Stephen in Colorado. The stall man. Is that... Yeah, I, I've never called in, and I, 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 I hear you always asking people to call in. I just wanted to call in. I, just, I didn't have that many things to ask, but... Okay. Well, it's good to hear your voice. You sound really young. I know you're not as young as you sound, <laughs> but you must be outside because I hear the proverbial wind blowing. Yeah, I'm outside. Um, um, yeah, and I just wanted to... Um, how you? Hang on here. I'm going to see if I can uh, increase your mic level. Well, I was I was listening to you about your spark, and I was out here working on my car and, and um, fixing the brakes, and I was just thinking... Sometimes, you know, like, it's, like, so hard. You're you're out there running around doing this and doing that, and, you're, you know, you're trying to, you know, do everything you can to follow the Word of God, and, and you're just trying your hardest to keep that, that spark lit every every turn you, you do, everything that you do. And sometimes it's, like, you're just wiping the sweat from your brow, just making it, but you, you're kind of holding that that little candle up and keeping it lit and you just keep on going. I got your sound to come in a little bit better. Are you having a hard time hearing me? But it, it, it was nice to hear you at the beginning and I did figure out how to up your sound a little bit. It's good to hear your voice. We might try it where there's not so much wind in the background because I think when there's wind in the background it starts to muffle your voice on the recording because the recording is always trying to find levels and so if there's background noise it will interfere so yeah I would love to have you call in another time and we can talk I know you were a shepherd there for a while I don't know what you're up to now but uh, uh, Nitsan keeps me posted from time to time but uh, anyway thanks for the call I'll disconnect you hopefully we'll have a better connection next time God bless. God bless. Oh, I did hear that his voice then. It dropped the call. Anyway, he's outside somewhere in Colorado, and I know a lot, but I won't say any more about him. So, if there's anybody else I know, there's still several callers in there, and I don't see anybody asking to talk in the chat room. So, maybe we'll just wind this up, and uh, I'll go out because. Tomorrow we're branding cows on the desert. Oh, there he, he came back.
So welcome back. I don't think I disconnected you. Because that's another button. I didn't push that button. It must have just dropped the call. But uh, anyway, uh, I'll I'll put more links on that page so you can go see the, you know, when we were talking about. But, you know, uh, how government and people using the government will deceive you by changing the meaning of words. And, of course, that is a common theme here where we talk about how they change the meaning of the word religion. They change the meaning of the word Corbin. They change the meaning of the word altar. Uh, and so you end up with a... You can use the same words, but it means something different. Hopefully it means something more to you. But this is the solution for what is coming down the pike is seeking the kingdom of God and his righteousness. So I would encourage everybody to go to Preparing You, join the network in their area, whether you're in Ohio. I'll I'll give a brief uh, that we may have some people calling. I could check some of these numbers. I got all kinds of numbers here to see if some of these numbers are... (laughs) Uh, Anyway, I won't do that. It takes too much time. But... uh, I've been contacted by people in Ohio who want to form a congregation or start joining in with other people. And once you're on the network, your email is on the network. When you send to your network group, whether it's the Midwest group or the group, which is the group for Ohio and I think Missouri is on that group, etc. And if we get, you can communicate and say, I want to join a congregation. You just join it for as long as you want. You can leave any time you want. But then you get to know the people that are already in a congregation. Almost all of them are spread out, so they'll have calls on a regular basis. But you want to start trying to make contact locally. But the more you start doing, the more people will show an interest in doing also. And But you can't start doing unless you become a participant. So join the network. Join, you know, if... If the Texas congregation is the closest one you got, then join that because I know they have people in in mid Texas and North Texas and I think in other states. And then you can start, you know, once you get 20 people in that group, you can start spreading off to the other groups. You can still be welcome back on the Texas calls, uh, which is his church at Wichita, which is that's interesting. They picked the name his church at Wichita, but they're in Texas. And everybody thinks that Wichita, you think you're over there in Wichita, but they spell it different, which is just a way of punishing me for being so dyslexic. <laughs> but anyway, so everybody can do their own thing, but our goal has to be to create this society that is returning to what made America great. Read an article on legal charity. Read an article on Alexis Tocqueville. And see what made America great. And it was the fact that communities became real communities and created those social bonds. Have an article on social bonds. Read that. So anyway, I won't keep you guys any longer. Uh, so I'll just say, see you on the network. Peace on your house and may God be with you. God bless. You have been listening to The Keys of the Kingdom with Brother Gregory of His Holy Church. 
For more information on the educational ministry provided by His Holy Church and Brother Gregory, including services, counseling, lectures, books, and other audio materials, please write to His Church at Summer Lake, Box 10, Summer Lake, Oregon, 97640. You can also find us on the web at www.hisholychurch.net. Thank you.